as I said during announcements, this weekend was our annual officer's retreat, and as Diana said to the children, in a Presbyterian church, the officers are the deacons who serve in a caring ministry, and the elders who serve as uh, the governing board of the congregation, and also the pastors. Every year we go off for 24 hours or so and plan and dream as leaders of the church. Among other things this weekend, we talked about what people outside the church think about Christians. There are people who think they can't be Christians because they don't believe everything in the Bible. They've seen in the media, or maybe firsthand, Christians who read the Bible literally, as though it were a science book or an instruction book. Based on certain passages in Scripture, these biblical literalists believe that the earth was actually created in six days, that Noah built an ark large enough to hold two of every single creature on the planet, and that women shouldn't be pastors or even allowed to speak in church. However, you can practically see the skid marks when folks come to a screeching halt in front of today's passage in Mark. Go, sell what you own, and give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me, said Jesus. Rut-row. All of a sudden, reading the Bible literally isn't quite so appealing. This is probably one of the scariest passages in the Bible. But what if it isn't a scary story after all? What if it is a healing story? The key phrase in this passage is, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, Without that phrase, we can read Jesus' instructions to give everything away, either as a test to see if this man really is faithful, or as a requirement for entrance into the kingdom of God. When we hear that Jesus says what he says out of love, however, that changes everything. Now Jesus is not setting the bar. He's responding to a need. You lack one thing, Jesus goes on to say. We know from what he says to his disciples later about anything being possible for God that he doesn't mean lack in the sense of you can't get into the kingdom without it. Rather, it's more like there's this one thing keeping you from the full and abundant life that God wants for all of us. At the beginning of this story, we're told that the man ran up and knelt before Jesus. If we look at other scenes in Mark's gospel where people have knelt or bowed down, it's the same word in Greek, we see Jairus begging for healing for his daughter. We see the woman who had been bleeding for years explaining why she touched Jesus, hoping for healing. And we see the Syrophoenician woman asking that Jesus cast a demon out of her daughter. All these stories are healing stories. I'm not sure there's a story in Mark where someone runs up and kneels or bows down who isn't asking Jesus for healing. Perhaps this man isn't just desperate, but sick, soul sick with all his possessions, but he doesn't know it. 
a PBS TV special that explores the high social and environmental costs of materialism and overconsumption, bring, begins with a soap opera-like scene of a woman in a doctor's office. She's waiting in the examining room, sitting on the table in a cotton gown. The doctor walks in. There's nothing physically wrong with you, he says. Then why do I feel so awful, so bloated, so sluggish? Nothing gives me joy anymore, not the house, the car, the clothes, the rays, nothing. Doctor, I'm frightened. Do something. Can't you, can't you just give me a pill? There's no pill for what's wrong with you, he answers. I'm afraid you're suffering from, and there's a dramatic pause filled with ominous organ music before the doctor whispers, affluenza. <laughs> oh my God, why me, cries the woman. Is it fatal? It's catastrophic, says the doctor. It's, it's what, the new epidemic. Well, there's a cure, isn't there, she asks desperately. Possibly, the doctor nods, and the screen fades to black. A man appears on the screen with a caption, real doctor. Affluenza is a major disease. There's no question about it, says the real doctor. And the camera cuts to another man with a caption, real psychologist. Many people suffer from it, but very few people are aware that's what they are suffering from, says the real psychologist. In this PBS special, affluenza is defined variously as that bloated, sluggish, and unfulfilled feeling that results from efforts to keep up with the Joneses, an epidemic of stress, overwork, waste, and indebtedness caused by dogged pursuit of the American dream, and an unsustainable addiction to economic growth. The causes and symptoms of affluenza today would be different from this man's disease in first century Palestine. In some respects, this man's attachment to his stuff is not yet destroying the planet, but it's the same in a couple of ways. Mostly it goes undiagnosed. People don't know that they have it. And instead of being life-giving, it turns out that excessive attachment to wealth and possessions is life-denying. So the man who approaches Jesus is actually sick. And Jesus tells him, not to give him a how-to guide to get into heaven, but because he loves him, that the one thing that is keeping him from enjoying the abundant life God promises here and now is all his possessions. Except he doesn't just tell him to give them away, he tells him to give them to the poor. Which means that according to Jesus, our life is inextricably bound up with the lives of others. Can we imagine that? That our well-being is intimately tied to the well-being of others. At the retreat this weekend, we watched a wonderful series of four videos called WWJD Now. That's what would Jesus do now, today, if he walked the earth as he did 2,000 years ago. The videos take a look at the way the church evolved from a passionate and energized group of disciples into a massive and highly institutionalized religion that is increasingly irrelevant to more and more people. 
in a nutshell, these videos challenge people in the church to recover their identity as followers of Jesus and to begin the holy, creative, and risk-taking enterprise of living transformed lives in order to transform the world. An Episcopal priest in one of the videos noted, Jesus was an absolute master at inviting people into transformation in their lives in exactly the terms that that person, that they needed. If you look at the gospel stories, he never asked people to do the same thing over and over again. His requests, his directions were always tailored to the individual standing before him, the person saying, what must I do to live? And his answer to that question always invited them to do what he did, to let it go, to give it all up, whatever it was on the ego level, on the personal level that was forming a wall around life. Jesus asked people to tear it down and step outside into a life that was risky and free and full of the power of God, full of the transforming power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus was offering. That's what was so compelling about him, and it is what he still offers today. So this man came asking what he could do to find the peace that had eluded him. And Jesus offers him a specific prescription for him. Here's how you can find the healing for what ails you, Jesus says. This is what will set you free. Let go of your wealth. Now, wealth isn't bad. It's essentially morally neutral. But it can be dangerous in these ways can make us believe we don't need each other. It can insulate us from other people's needs. It can cause us to believe that we are superior to others, that we're more deserving than others. It cannot prevent us from being lonely or leading lives without meaning or purpose. This man's wealth has formed a wall around his life, and Jesus is inviting him to something better something risky and free and full of the transforming power of the Spirit. He invites him to be a disciple. The man walks away deeply troubled because he can't imagine that what Jesus is offering him is better than all his stuff. Jesus knows it's really hard. That's why he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, not because God doesn't want rich people in heaven, but because it is very hard for people to let go of the belief, to be healed of the belief that living walled in by your money and your possessions is better than what Jesus offers. Jesus invites this man and each one of us to a life in which we are truly ourselves, but also truly aware of our connectedness with God, with God's creation and with God's people, aware that our well-being is intimately tied to the well-being of others. And that is what living in the kingdom of God looks like. We are left wondering, Would we walk away 
Would we be too afraid to give up whatever it is that forms a wall around our lives? And would we eventually turn around? I like the fact that we don't really know the end of this story. We don't know whether the rich man eventually got it. Faith is a journey. And as someone in one of the videos this weekend said, it takes a long time to be a disciple. It is a process of transformation, being changed from the inside out and the outside in over the course of a lifetime. What this actually not-so-scary story in Mark's Gospel tells us is that whatever Jesus asks of us, he will ask out of love and in order to heal us. And as someone else once said, a trip becomes a journey after you lose your luggage. Please pray with me. Loving God, renew in us the joy that comes from sharing, sharing all that we have with those around us, and keep us alive and connected to the need and the bounty and the sorrow and the joys of all of our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.